Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose broadcast. My name is Sebastian Richard, and I'm here with my beautiful wife, Elizabeth Richard. And this, believe it or not, guys, is take two, because we have begun doing filming this broadcast for 45 minutes. We were into the teaching, and we realized, lo and behold, that our mic was on mute. So this is a take two, and tonight (laughs) we're continuing our Kingdom Leadership Series, and we're going to be talking about obedience tonight. So the theme tonight is obedience in our Kingdom Leadership Series. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now, uh, I know some of you might say, well, you guys are teaching a leadership series. So leadership, usually the leaders are those who give the orders. They're the ones who receive obedience. They're not the ones who give it. But lo and behold, we are in the kingdom of God and we all owe obedience to our Lord and King Jesus Christ, first and foremost. But also, uh, if you haven't noticed, in life, there's people in stations placed above you in authority, and we are required to obey them also. Uh, I don't think any one of us is king of the world yet. So, uh, so long as none of us are king of the world, there's always going to be people above you, and you need to obey those people, those placed in authority over you. So that's uh, another thing. Yes, and we, we've learned through the years that obedience is really crucial to go into that next level with the Lord, um, you know, to have more revelation and to, um, you know, be used by Him. There's different levels of obedience. And um, this is a series on leadership, but it's also mainly to uh, prepare Christians to really be fruitful kingdom citizens. If we want to be fruitful, especially in these end days, in these last days, um, you know, and to get for salvation, for people to be saved, um, you know, to to apply our kingdom assignments, to be um, all that we can be for God to, to thrive in our purpose. We really have to apply all of these principles that we're teaching every week. So um, the Holy Spirit really guided us into this leadership series of what Every, you know, every component that is needed to, to really um, create a, a thriving kingdom ambassador. And so that's why we're doing this series. And by being obedient, we make ourselves available vessels for the king of glory to manifest his glory upon the earth in the most perfect way. The yeah. most perfectly you obey the will of God, the most perfectly his will will be accomplished through you in the earth. Uh, there is, since this is a leadership series... There's a leadership story in the Bible that is a cautionary tale. It's a tragic story, and it has to do with the consequences when a leader disobeys the will of God. And it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, and you guys are probably familiar with it. Uh, it's the, uh, the event where uh, King Saul, when he was king in Israel, he was ordered to go and wage war, and more like uh, do an annihilation of the Amalekites. And God was very specific, and he gave very strict orders that the Israelite army was to go in and kill the men, the women, the children, the cattle, 
and even the blades of grass. I mean, they were to leave nothing standing and nothing living. Uh, there was a lot of corruption among the Amalekites. Uh, they worshiped foreign gods, but there was also genetic corruption within the, their, their, their genetics. There was, a lot of, there was a lot of stuff in the Old Testament that uh, we still don't understand to this day. But I know there was uh, moral corruption, there was spiritual corruption, and there was genetic corruption, which God abhorred. He hated mm -hmm. it. So he ordered the Israelites to go and raise everything because everything had had, had been soiled. Yeah. Uh, when there's that level of corruption, everything is soiled. Nothing is usable. Nothing is usable uh, physically or from a, for, for their, it, 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 nothing can be used. So mm -hmm. he said, destroy everything. Now, Saul didn't destroy everything, as you know in the story. He kept the cattle. And when he was confronted by the prophet Samuel, because Samuel comes and checks in, and Saul goes like, see, see, we did everything that the Lord ordered, everything, we, we did everything. And Samuel was like, really? Really, you did everything? Dost my ears deceive me? What am I hearing? Is that is that cattle I'm hearing? And, and Saul goes like, oh, 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 but those, those we, we kept aside because we were going to offer them as sacrifices unto the Lord. And then Samuel gave one of the most epic replies in the Bible concerning obedience that is used, that I've heard many times in many teachings. Then Samuel said in verses 22 and 23, Does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Mm -hmm. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. In other versions, it says the sin of witchcraft. And defiance is like wickedness and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Now, this is a very strong word from the prophet here. He, he tells Saul that rebellion or disobedience is just as bad as the sin of witchcraft. Well, if you want to understand the gravity of that, you need to understand how was the sin of witchcraft perceived back then. Well, here's how it was perceived. In Exodus 22.18, it was written, Moses wrote, Thou shalt not suffer a witch. To live. So that's how bad rebellion was seen by the Lord or disobedience. So, and, and as I was writing these words, I, it, it got me to ponder our New Testament covenant, how our relationship with Jesus Christ works and how uh, when, when we know that people who reject Christ in the end, they will, they will end, they will be separated for, from God for eternity and, and end up in hell. And I'm like, so that too is, is um, disobedience and rebellion. Mm -hmm. It is rebellion because when you're offered, when you're presented with the, the salvation the Lord offers so graciously and you say, you know what? No, thanks. No, I don't, I don't want nothing to do with that. I want to live my own life. I, I, want to, I don't want to be my own Lord. I want to be my own Lord. I'm going to keep doing my own thing. Thanks, but no thanks. Well, that's rebellion. That is rebellion against the will of the king. So it kind of all comes together and makes sense a little bit more. Uh, so as the people of God, 
as the people of God, obedience is one of the keys to so many blessings in our life. But also it's it's so, so important for everything that ties up in our relationship with God. And we must be like Jesus, who was our model. Jesus was the ultimate model of obedience, as you and I both know. And in Philippians 2.8, it reminds us of that when it says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. Mm. So that's the, the, the incredible obedience of our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah. who, who was obedient to the point of death. Uh, martyrs also, uh, when we see martyrs, when we consider their lives and death, we see that they were obedient to the point of death. This is a, this the ultimate, the ultimate test of obedience. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to share a, a story with you guys. And we, we also see that in the story of Abraham and Isaac. I Abraham, think that is like yeah. one of the the most powerful uh, examples as well of obedience. Amen. Abraham, who I don't know, I don't know many fathers that can do that. He would not, and even God pointed it out. You mm -hmm. would not withhold your only son from me, mm -hmm. and that was so powerful coming from the heart of God because yeah. God knew that someday He would not withhold His own son mm -hmm. from us. So, in other words, when Abraham did that, he was really showing. Uh, that he was made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. He was willing to do what God was willing to do. And that is not given to everybody. No. Um, there's a story I wanted to share about Sir Leonard Wood. Leonard Wood. Who once visited the King of France. And the King enjoyed his company and he was so pleased with him. That he invited the guy, uh, Sir Leonard Wood. Uh, for dinner the next day. So Sir Leonard went to the palace and the king met him in one of the halls, in one of the hallways. And he said, why, Sir Leonard, I did not expect to see you. How is it that you're here? And then uh, Sir Leonard says, did not your majesty invite me to dine with you? He was astonished. He was like, how come he's saying that he's surprised to see me? Yes, replied the king, but you did not answer my invitation. Then it was that Sir Leonard Wood uttered one of the choicest sentences of his life. He said to the king, a king's invitation is never to be answered, but obeyed. Mm. So when he said that to the king, he was in essence saying, king, your word is law to me and how much we should have that same attitude when it comes to our king our lord to the the king of kings how much we should consider his word as law unto us not to be discussed but to be obeyed now it's interesting also to note that i did a little research leonard wood was an ex-general in the united states army at that time so he had been in the army and he had risen to the rank of general. So just like the Roman centurion in the Gospels, we remember the, the story of the Roman centurion who had a, a sick servant who, who was a beloved servant, like a son. He wanted Jesus to heal him, but he didn't even come in person. He sent one of his uh, servants to, to see Jesus 
uh, who told him the story. And, and he said that the Roman centurion through this servant said this, he said, I'm not even worthy that you should enter under my roof, but I myself am a man under authority. And so in other words, I have people above me, but I also pe have people under me. And he says, if I say to one servant, come, I know he's going to come. And if I say to one servant, go, I know he's going to go. So I don't need to see. I just need to know that you say the word that's good enough for me if you say the word my servant will be healed and jesus marveled at the faith of this roman centurion but there's something about military people see in the military people are taught right from the get-go to not question authority and to obey you're told to peel potatoes by one of your superiors. You peel potatoes. You're, you're, you're told to drop and give, give him 20. You drop and give him 20. Mm -hmm. It's sir, yes, sir, all the time. And there is no discussion. It's yeah. You obey. You're taught obedience. And this man, uh, Leonard Wood, he knew exactly what dealing with a king meant. And he knew it so well that it serves as a lesson for us believers today, because believers today, we, we, we how can I put this? We're so taught to, to be sons and to re-embrace our sonship and all that. And then, oh, you have an orphan spirit and you need to, you need to embrace God as your father and it's going to heal you. And that's true. I'm not denying that. It is very true. I, I experienced that type of healing myself. God's love, fantastic. We need God's love. I've experienced healing through that myself as well. Mm -hmm. But in the process, sometimes we forget that our Abba, our Father, our Daddy, our Heavenly Father, is also King of glory, King of glory, and that His Word is law. His Word is law. So God is our King, but do we treat Him as such? Do we obey him as such? And I, I like that because, you know, a lot of people identify to the physical world and what they see in royalty, especially in, in New England, in England is so huge. And it's like, you know, they, they, it's everything that has to do with the, the queen is always, you know, everybody's participating and it's a big event and, when there were weddings, it was huge. And so anybody that would get an invitation from the queen or from a king, it, you know, you didn't even RSVP to say, no. oh, I can't make it. It was like, you're going. Yeah, you exactly. It, so, it doesn't matter how you get there. They don't care. You're, you're going. Yeah, because you got an invitation. It was like, you know, I have to show utmost respect and go. And so I think that, you know, when we think about that in the physical realm, if you did get an invitation, if if God did ask you to do something and you see him as king, I'll be more obedient. Mm -hmm. But if you have this image in your head of him only being your friend, your goody, uh, goody daddy, your good daddy, that's all loving, that never really requires much of you, then, you know, if he is asking you to do something, then it's a lot easier for you to say no and not to have that fear of the Lord. So I think it's important that we we always see him as king, especially when it's time to be obedient and and act uh, and follow the Holy Spirit in what he's asking you to yeah. do and leading you to do. It's a good point you're making. And even as myself, myself, 
I've had uh, moments with my kids because I'm I'm a I'm a kindly and, and fun daddy, uh, but I also have a sterner side. But um, sometimes when when I'm I'm in fun mode or it's the weekend or whatnot, uh, sometimes the kids can like uh, you know show some slight disrespect and and not uh, not take me seriously when I ask something, mm-hmm. and then I have to put my foot down and say remember who I am, kind of thing, you know. So oh yeah, it's true, he's dad. Yeah, okay. He's not, he's not my friend. He's not my chummy. Uh, he asked me something, so I better do it. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of that, like that, that um, that we sh- we need to re- be reminded who God is, and it's yeah. so important to treat treat him as a king uh, first and foremost. So I jotted down for you guys the seven areas of obedience that we're gonna that that, that uh, are part of the spectrum of life, if you will. Seven key areas of where we need to show obedience. Number one, we need to show obedience in doing. In doing. The Bible says, do not be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word as well. And, and too often we, we are hearers, we're not doers. Uh, and this is, this is the part of proactive. See, I, the, the doing part is the proactive part where we need to do someone uh, once said good is not something we are it's something we do it's an active word and yeah and i want to talk to you also uh, those of you that are um, believers that have an idea of what the lord wants you to do or maybe it has to do with the strength that you have and that you know you can bless others other believers and the lord's been kind of nudging you to do these things and, you know, it demands maybe finances, maybe it demands time on your part. And it's really important to, to do that act of obedience because it oftentimes will open doors to other things, other blessings that the Lord will, will give you in return. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it's spiritual blessings. Sometimes it's physical blessings. Sometimes it's uh, financial blessings. And it's really important to not wait to feel ready to to do that thing that God's asking you to do. You know, maybe he's asking you to do a broadcast and you're like, well, I, I have no clue how to do that. You know, nearly everything that we've done, um, you know, as entrepreneurs, when we started out, we didn't know how to do. We didn't know how to do a podcast. We said, you know, we're just going to learn how to do it and it's going to suck in the beginning and we're just going to practice and practice and eventually we'll get the hang of it. Embrace like, the suck, as they say. <laughs> and, you know, because... You, the, the ultimate thing is that you want to be obedient for the Lord and you know that he's going to help you. You know that he's going to equip you. You know he's going to bring you towards that knowledge that you need or that training that you need or whatever it is. But don't wait for you to be like all trained up and ready to go because that never really happens. We're never like really, we never really feel ready for that's, you know, ready, set, go doesn't really exist. No. Like it's just like, <laughs> go go <laughs> go and do right go, go and do go, go and, and do, do and be fruitful and figure it out along the way <laughs> Amen. And, and in this doing there's there's the overarching will of god that we know uh, so the ten commandments uh, all these th- these uh these precepts or that we understand of what being a a person a man of god or a woman of god guys we should be and do so there's the overarching will of God that we all know and we should do. Yeah. But there's the specific will of God 
that we need to embrace and do as well. And that specific is different for each one of us because each one of us has a, a different uh, kingdom assignment on our life that God wants us to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And so he's going to ask us different things at different times that have to yeah. do with that, with fulfilling that kingdom assignment. So uh, that's the other part of the doing that's so important. And that's the most, the more specific part. And it's oftentimes the most out of uh, moving out of your comfort zone part that you're going to be required to do. Yeah, so that's the, the bigger the assignment, the the more obedience that's involved. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and there's a saying also that my kids uh, uh, watched in a cartoon once where the kid was saying, uh, my parents always tell me do good and good will follow. And uh, I like that. And sometimes I use it against them because it, <laughs> they shared it with me so they made the mistake of sharing it with me so I, I when they i asked them something and they're like kind of like uh, i don't feel like it whatever do good and good will follow and i gotta <laughs> remind them of that and it's the same for us we know that if we do the will of god good will follow good will follow definitely now so that's number one obedience in doing Num number two obedience in avoiding now that sounds a little bit restrictive it sounds like oh you're the party pooper or this is a um this is so legalistic oh really avoiding you like you're gonna be one of those christians who are gonna say don't smoke don't dance don't play cards well not really but there's certain things that we are told to avoid in the scriptures because the king doesn't indulge in these things he doesn't want them in his kingdom and he doesn't want his children uh, indulging in these things either because they're damaging for us and they're damaging for our assignment and they're that they're not yeah. any good they don't bring any good or any of his will in the earth mm -hmm. so uh, so what is it that the lord is showing you that you need to to quit or to get rid of there's stuff sometimes that we hold on to that we need to get rid of it could be uh, ideologies ideas it could be uh, material things that we're holding on to uh, we also know the, the seven deadly sins. Well, the seven deadly sins, I'll just tell them here uh, quickly. Pride, greed, lust, envy, gluttony, wrath, or slothfulness. If there's any one of these sins that has a stronghold in our life, well, guess what? This is something that's it's obvious that God wants us to, to get to quit that, to get rid of that, and, and, and by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, what are you watching on TV? What music do you listen to? Uh, what's the company you keep? Who do you hang out with? These are all that, things yeah. that, that might be required to avoid mm -hmm. or to stop doing. So there's the stuff that God wants us to do, but there's also stuff that he wants us to not do or to avoid. Yeah. And there's those, those things, you know, that you know that if you ask yourself the question, if, you know, I were to write down certain habits, bad habits that I have, let's say you would say, okay, I'm going to write down five bad habits that I know for sure are things that the Lord is displeased of and write the opposite of what you could change what you to could become replace closer to him. So, yeah. for example, if you have a thing with uh, binge watching Netflix or whatever shows that you watch and you're like in the back of your head, I should be reading my Bible or I ordered like five different books, uh, you know, on this and on that, that's really going to help me spiritually I should be taking time for that, but I'm not going to do it because I'd rather watch this series. I'm, you know, like really advanced. And I'm really into it. And you're kind of addicted or obsessed or whatever. 
Like, you know, these are things that you know that that's a bad habit you need to get rid of because it's actually hindering your spiritual growth. You're actually, um, you know, hindering it and you're actually stopping yourself from getting closer to him. So it's just like a, a, a way to, to see how you can avoid for your benefit. But, right? but see, I, I like what you said earlier uh, when you said this, because it, it, it's proven scientifically that we can't really quit a bad habit. We can only replace it with yeah. a good habit. And, and so that's very important. So for example, the example of Netflix, let's say you're binge watching Netflix too much and you need to, to implement some reading in your life. Well, that's, that's a good example. You're going to replace maybe an hour or two of net, uh, Netflix watching with an hour or two of reading a day. Mm -hmm. That's a replacement. You're replacing the bad habit with a good one. And that's the best way to do it, to, to, to avoid this stuff. Because going cold turkey saying, I won't do that anymore. Well, you might replace it with something worse. I mean, you got to replace it with something better. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, sometimes also we have these important decisions. You know, sometimes the Lord has been telling you, you know, to, to change and to do something for him. Maybe it's to start a certain mystery or maybe it's to leave a certain position, you know, and he's opened doors and to yeah. do something else. Those important decisions that, you know, will will create this different path that the Lord wants to take you on. That's probably going to bring you towards your kingdom assignment. But it takes obedience. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes you give up good salaries. Sometimes you give up, um, you know, you sometimes you have to move away, farther away from your immediate family. You know, there's all kinds of things that it can cause. We we had to move, you know, the Lord was really speaking on our heart to move um, to Prince Edward Island. And that was a huge decision for us because we were 12, 12 hours away from our family, had never been to this island. Um, and we really felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to come here and to make better decisions, better life decisions for our family. Um, for our little family, but it meant us leaving our immediate family. And that was a big sacrifice. That was also obedience. And there were a lot of blessings that came through that experience. Absolutely. And uh, another thing that you might want to consider in the area of avoiding, that uh, there's a practice that, that some uh, that's taught in um, uh, deliverance by deliverance ministers. Oftentimes they're going to tell you that it's good maybe once every year or two years or three years to go through your house room by room mm -hmm. to do a spiritual house cleaning. So what is that? Well, you go, you go in each room and, and trust me, we have rooms here. There's, there's so much stuff. It probably would probably be here a day. <laughs> but the thing is, is you look at everything you own in that room and you look at if there's anything occultic or anything that dishonors God in that room and you get rid of it. And you're like, well, why would I have anything occultic in my house? Well, um, you know, sometimes somebody may have given you something or given something to your kid. Exactly. And then you kind of like, I, I had once a friend gave, give me like this little statue of a fairy because she thought it would be cute. Cause I was pregnant with my first child. And she's like, Oh, it's going to be so cute in her room. And I found out later that fairies are occultic or, have to do with witchcraft so i had to get rid of it exactly. so sometimes you know it's just like 
looking around going, why, why do I still have this thing? I was going to throw this out anyway. <laughs> Sometimes it's stuff that you had when you were young and, and you kind of forgot about it. It's at the bottom of a closet somewhere. You find it, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. I just noticed that that has, has I don't know, a, an all seeing eye on it. And I'm going yeah, and you know what that means, right? You know, it's not, it's not of God. So uh, I'm not saying get rid of all your dollar bills uh, for those in the US. Uh, <laughs> maybe change them for $5 bills. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is, the point is there's occultic symbolism in the stuff that we own. And it's, it's good to be able to recognize those things uh, and where they come from. And if it, if it dishonors the Lord, if the Lord gives you a conviction to get rid of it now, and when you get rid of it, you don't go knock on your neighbor's door and say, hey, I'm getting rid of all my occult stuff. Here you go. Here's a big box. Enjoy it. No, you want it. You want it destroyed. You want it out of your house. If it's books, they should be burned. Uh, magic books or occult yeah. books and stuff. Sometimes someone will, will convert from new age to Christianity. They have to get rid of those books. Uh, sometimes they have hundreds of dollars worth of books. Uh, sometimes it's jewelry that, that was given to you. As, you know, I don't know, your grandma died and, and you bring home a box full of her jewelry. You don't know, you don't look at it for three years. And then one day you decide to look into it and you realize that there's stuff in there, the earrings that have uh, symbolism on them and you, you never even knew. And your grandma didn't know, and but uh, lo and behold, you just realize, oh, geez, maybe that's why she was cursed in such and such a way. I, I never noticed. Maybe it's because she wore that. I mean, sometimes it, it, there's a whole slew of things that the Lord will show you that you need to get rid of. And I won't. And, and, and we might do an episode someday about that. Yeah, and you know, when we're talking about obedience, for some of you are like, oh, that's no big deal. I would just chug that. I would just get rid of that. But Sometimes it's difficult, you know. Um, yeah, there's sentimentality. There's some, some things that are sentimental, you know, that maybe your mom wore that she gave to you. And then you find out later, oh, you know, that thing, you know, came from a certain place. And, and I know that there was witchcraft there or whatever. And you have to get rid of it. So you have to be obedient, you know, to make sure that nothing is going to hinder your spiritual life or you won't be opening a portal or anything that the demonic... Uh, can use against you. Oh, that pendant. Oh yeah. I remember my mom, <laughs> she told me she bought it on a trip to Salem in the United States in a little boutique. That pendant, it's so nice. <laughs> so anyway, you gotta, you gotta look at these things and, and uh, ask the Lord in every room. Okay, Lord, show me what, if there's anything here that offends you, you ask him and he will guide you. He's going to direct you. Yeah. Okay. Number three, obedience and giving obedience in giving. Now this one hurts a lot. A lot of believers, they, they're, they're going to be obedient in a ton of things, but don't touch their wallet. Their wallet is their wallet. So, <laughs> so that's, Hey, this is something you're going to have to shift your mindset. If you're going to be a kingdom leader, you're going to have to realize that your wallet and what's in your wallet is actually, it belongs to God. Uh, and uh, case in point, uh, there's a man by the name of RG Letourneau, Argila Tourneau owned, uh, he had a big company. Uh, I think it was called Letourneau Earth Moving Equipment. He, he had bulldozers and all kinds of big machinery to, 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 to move earth, obviously. And he was very wealthy. He had a very successful company. Uh, and this man went above and beyond in his giving. He was a Christian. He was a believer. And he didn't give 20% to the Lord. No, no, no. He didn't give 50%. To the Lord, not even like he gave more than that. He gave 90% of his annual income to the Lord's work. Mm. 90%. Okay. The man had obviously a very strong anointing, a gifting in the area of giving. 
obviously. And I'm not saying we should give 90%. The Lord requires a mere 10%. But uh, that, that's going to be between you and the Lord, of course. He, he won't, he won't uh, break your arm to do it. But you have to be a cheerful giver. Uh, but R.G. Letourno said this about giving. He said, it's not about how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money I keep for myself. Mm-hmm. Now, this really shows the mindset of a kingdom expander, of a leader in the kingdom of God when it comes to money. Yeah. And they say that the best barometer or, or thermometer or way to measure uh, a believer's spiritual health is by how he uses his money for the kingdom of God. And I, and I think that uh, we need to do some self-examination as believers when it comes to the way that we use our money and the, 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 the way that we honor God with our money as well. That's the best way to do things. Number Absolutely. four. And you know, I've yeah, heard a lot of I, yeah, I've yeah. heard a lot of stories of of people that have given, and even you know, we we've applied this too. And you know, sometimes the Lord is asking you to give an amount that's bigger than that ten percent, you know, or maybe it's yeah. you've given already your ten percent, and then the Lord is showing you a need um, that somebody has, or you know, that you just can feel in the spirit that this person really needs. Uh, an amount and then you find out that you know you were obedient and because you gave a certain amount to that person they were able to to shift things it really really helped them they were in a bind that that month and you know we've had uh stories like that you know uh, people have told us like wow you like you you actually like nailed it on the amount and it yeah. fought, you know wow like because we felt we followed the holy spirit you yeah. know we prayed about it we asked the holy spirit okay you know where should we give and this and that and 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 most like i would say like 99 of the time we both really feel it like we're both yeah, like we're yes, both in agreement okay, like oh yes. yeah that's where we're gonna give this yeah. this month or that's where we're gonna give this week yeah absolutely and great blessings follow so it's really important to be obedient with that absolutely Number four in the areas of obedience where we should be obedient, obedience in going, obedience in going. In many instances during the course of your life, the Lord will show you places to go. Sometimes it's it's local. You know, you don't have to travel uh, to another country. It can be local, but the Lord will show you where he wants you to go. So you need to show obedience in going. And in Genesis 12, uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we have the best example of a man who obeyed the voice of the Lord as to where his go was the uh, Abram. Uh, he was not even called Abraham back then. So it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house mm-hmm. to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. It's so beautiful the way it's phrased, the way the Lord phrases it. He says, and I will make you and make your name great so that in order to make you a blessing. 
And that basically means if, if he makes Abraham into a blessing, it's because he, uh, by Abraham, by obeying, becomes an available vessel through which God's glory can manifest. And guess what? That's not just for Abraham. It's for you. It's for me. It's for Elizabeth. It's for everybody listening. If you make yourself available to God through obedience, even in the smallest matters, you will make yourself into a vessel where God's glory can manifest itself in a very powerful and concrete way in the earth realm. And therefore, you will become a blessing just like Abram. And yeah. uh, Liz mentioned earlier that we did kind of have a, an Abrahamic moment in our own lives when nine years ago, we felt a call to leave everything that we knew, everybody that we knew, our family, our home, uh, the place where we grew up, everything we left behind to go to a place we had never been. We had never <laughs> been. We had no friends, no family, no acquaintances here where we are now, where we've been for the last nine years. But we did it anyway because we felt the call of God on our lives to do that. And we won't go into whole details. We don't have time for this tonight. But this obedience. By, by by going to that place where we had no clue what to expect and by doing it anyway, even if it was some, somewhat painful, it was exciting, but it was a little bit very, very unnerving. We didn't know what we were getting into. Uh, it has yielded so much fruit in our life. It's amazing. It's like God took us to the wine press. We were the grapes being brought to the wine press. A lot of pressure. It, we call it our boot camp, uh, our island boot camp. Uh, if you want to listen to episode one, right, uh, of the Thriving on Purpose God, podcast, yeah. you go there, episode one, uh, the sound quality is not good. We were just starting out at, in obedience again, doing podcasting. But we talk about this experience where God called us to uh, Prince Edward Island. And it was quite a thing. It was really something to do and to adapt into. Anything you want to add to that, Liz? Yeah. And, you know, I would just say, you know, sometimes you the Lord is asking you to do a certain thing and you're kind of unsure about uh, doing it because you're not sure, you know, if you, you don't feel like you know what you're doing. You know, you feel like you have to almost have this like course before you do that thing. You know, even if it's just going to evangelize in the streets, it's like a lot of people are just scared to move forward just yeah. because they feel like everybody has to take them by the hand or they have to know exactly what they're doing. But um, oftentimes God will equip us if we ask him to equip us to be bold and to, to move forward and to do that thing that he's calling us to do. And it's, it was the same thing for us when we felt that he was calling us to do podcasting, you yeah. know, uh, we, we didn't know exactly why in the sense that, I mean, we were, you know, entrepreneurs, we were starting an entrepreneurship and all that. And we had, the John Maxwell team trainings and we knew leadership and stuff. But later on, we we saw the fruit of that, that the Lord wanted us to be obedient and to, to teach because through a podcast, it was reaching a lot of people around the world. So people that normally wouldn't land on our broadcast were listening to us from Africa, from Germany, from all kinds of places around the world. So the gospel was getting out. And so for us, it was really an act of obedience. It was like, okay, you know, nobody's, you know, at first you start and like barely anybody knows you. It takes a while for your podcast to grow on these platforms, right? And so we started and, and we, sometimes we kind of joke around because we'd send out an email list and then we'd be like, 
Oh yeah, I have to send out my email list. To no, my but she would she would tell me, uh, oh, we didn't send our email. Like we, we would be a day late. She, you need to write down the email now. I said, yeah, for our, what our audience of two or, or five, <laughs> five people, or you know, five, we're just getting started. Faithful, like, yeah. yeah, they're going to be waiting impatiently by their computer. Am I going to get my thriving on purpose email this week? Exactly. But you know what? Something that really stuck with me um, is uh, there was somebody that uh, I think it was TD Jakes. He said, you know, he said in ministry and anything that God is calling you to do, he says, you have to dig your ditches. Anything you start, anything that the Lord asks you to do, that you're trailblazing, you're putting forth, uh, entrepreneurship. Maybe you're starting a business, and um, and it everything takes time, right, yeah. for it to flourish. And especially when it comes to God and His obedience and the boot camp and the trainings and what He's teaching you, right? He's bringing you from one area to the other, teaching you different things. And it's all that is training you, but it's it, at the same same way when you're obedient and you move one step forward in what he's asking you to do, uh, you don't see the end result. You don't see where he's leading you. But as you do it, you're digging your ditches. And then eventually, he, um, the way he explained it, he says, when the Lord decides it's going to pour, when he's going to, you know, unload the blessings Among and the, the blessings. harvest and, and, you know, in in your case, maybe you're starting a podcast and it takes a, a really long time till you get an audience. Then, you know, eventually when you dig that those ditches, and that's exactly the mentality we had, you know, we we're like, okay, we're taking out that email list. Like if we had, you know, 500,000 people listening to us, how would we behave? Mm -hmm. Would we take out our email list once in a while, once in a blue moon? Would we do our broadcast whenever we just feel like it? Exactly. Oh, this week I don't feel like it, so I'm not going to do it. Like, what's the point? Well, like just, you know? just earlier tonight, I mean, we, we were 45 minutes in this teaching until we realized that our mic was muted. Yeah. And we're like, Thanks well, to our wonderful children. <laughs> well, maybe. We, we, we don't know. We'll, well, we'll do an investigation tomorrow yes. at breakfast. <laughs> Kids, did any one of you go in the office per chance yesterday? Anyway, <laughs> um, so we were 45 minutes in and, and, and we realized that it was muted. So we needed to redo it. And, and of course, it's it's like you're, you're kind of there's anger and there's like all the wrong mindset that you need to have for a, a broadcast that's going to bring add value to the body of Christ. So we needed to pause, look at each other, hold each other's hands and, and, and be like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do it the right way. And you know what? It might be for, for, for a better thing. In other words, maybe the time, maybe for some reason someone needed to hear it later. Or So we don't know. We're just being obedient by redoing the whole thing. Yeah. So number five, number five of what we need to be obedient in, obedience in speaking. And you mentioned that earlier, Liz. Uh, some people are scared to to. to you know, evangelize uh, some, some friends or family or coworkers. Uh, for some others, they're called to have a platform mm -hmm. to, to use YouTube or to use uh, broadcasting on Facebook or podcast or whatnot. And God has really made that clear. And we need to be obedient when the Lord tells us to speak up. And, you know, it's funny because the prophets of the Old Testament, they kind of had uh, the same challenges as we have today they didn't have the same technology but they had the same fears mm -hmm. and in ezekiel uh, chapter 2 verses 3 and 7 god says to ezekiel listen to this this is good stuff 
son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to the, to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you must say to them, this is what the Lord God says. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the key. Whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they yeah. will know that a prophet has been among them. But you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, and do not be afraid of their words, even though briars and thorns are beside you, and you live among scorpions, don't be afraid of their words or discouraged by the look on their faces, for they are a rebellious house. And verse 7, speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are rebellious. Mm-hmm. Now, and we know that Jeremiah had the same challenge yeah. uh, of speaking uh, the word of God to, to apparently no effect. Nobody, nobody would listen. They didn't believe him. I uh, mean, I mean, in, even the, the apostles, when they uh, were building the early church and they were going to and fro, I mean, when you read that and the, the de- determination of Paul and the, the feedback he was getting, and he was just like, I'm, I've got to get this message out. I have to be obedient. And I think, you know, when we even watched that movie uh, that they did on the, the life of Jeremiah, yeah, it was a pretty I thought, good movie. I yeah. thought that was like really, you know, to, to read it and to see it in a movie, you're like, wow, that was not easy. That was that hard. was not easy to to know that you have such a a hard word, you know, that you're kind of preaching, not preaching, but giving words of the Lord, but it's like gloom and doom to these people. Yeah. And they they just want to have your head, you know, and yeah. and you have to do it anyway because you have to be obedient to the Lord, even if you get this backlash, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes we we get we get backlash even when we preach the good news of the salvation in Jesus. We get backlash, and it's not a hard word. That that's actually good news. But and, uh, and you know, and even when it comes to uh, talking to others about the Lord, you know. Um, it's difficult sometimes, you know, sometimes you feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit to talk to a friend or a certain person, or maybe it's someone that the Lord puts in your head that you haven't spoken to in like five years. And you, you, you have to go down that road. Maybe you have to ask for forgiveness for something and it's difficult, but you know that if you don't do it, you know, you're going to miss out on, on blessings and spiritual blessings. There's a lot of things that God, you know, kind of like unlocks, you know, mm, when, yeah. when these things are broken. And so sometimes it's just, you know, making amends with the person or being obedient and saying, you know, I messed up a few yes. years ago and I'm sorry and yes. this and that. And or so, in your marriage on a day-to-day basis, you know, I mean, we're, we're together a lot. Uh, we do ministry a lot. We're always together, basically. So obviously we mess up more. When you're more with the other, you, you kind of mess up more. And you need to ask for forgiveness more. You know, sorry, I was a jerk this morning. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it happens quite a bit uh, on on both uh, yeah, from both of from us. Both of us. Yeah. But but we need to do it, and it's it's it, it keeps the relationship going. But this is also uh, speaking when we're required to speak, being obedient to the word of the Lord. You know that God wants us to be peacemakers, so we need to make peace with our words wherever we go. Mm-hmm. Number six. 
obedience in partnering, in partnering. So who you associate with is important in the eyes of the king of God mm -hmm. and for your walk with him. God warned Solomon not to take foreign wives because he said they would turn his heart from the Lord. And they did. And they did. Uh, so that was his snare. The apostle Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Again, another passage that many of you will be familiar with. Uh, that's in verses 14 to 16. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. It's a passage that is often used uh, to signify marriage, right? I mean, obviously, the, 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 most, the biggest uh, union you can have, a partnership in life is marriage. So it's often used to say, don't marry an unbeliever. But Paul is not talking necessarily just of, of marriage here. It's, it's saying, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Yeah. And then he says, for you are the temple of God. So this is something to be treated in a very sacred way. Mm -hmm. Paul is presenting here a picture saying you are transporting the Holy Spirit. You're, you're the temple of God. So make sure that the associations you, you have in your life are going to reflect that and mm -hmm. not be uh, something that's going to be detrimental to that fact. And uh, I remember Jim Rohn, or was it someone else who said uh, that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to do a mental inventory of who are the, the five people I spend the most time with. And do these people help me to uh, level up or are they dragging me down? Am I, am I basically becoming more uh, less less holy more corrupt by spending time with these people or am i becoming closer to god more edified and therefore more edifying by spending time with them uh, so that's very very solid advice mm -hmm. uh, yeah, i remember also charles stanley one day he said that he said when you have big decisions to make it's good to have the counsel of many wise people in the body of christ mm -hmm. and make sure they are just that wise people in the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, don't take advice from fools. Don't 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 go to non-believers. And I'm not saying they're all fools. Some non-believers have a, a good a, a lot of common sense that they can mm -hmm. give, but but be very careful if you're going to you need important advice and important decision to ask godly people who know the counsel of the Lord and who can counsel you godly counsel. Yeah, and uh, a really important training that we did with uh, Gary Cassie. Uh He's a, a well-known pastor. He's a, a very good teacher. And he was talking about, you know, partnering, like, with different partners. And I also read that um, in a different book. I have the title with Solomon in my head, but the, what is, uh, the richest yeah. man that ever lived. Yeah, is I think that's it? what it is, yeah. Anyway. Uh, not, I think it is, yeah. And so. in that book, he talks about the blessing of partnering with the right partner that the Lord, you know, that you can pray if, if you're in business 
to, you know, maybe it's you're a pastor, maybe you're looking for somebody to work with you. Maybe it, you, you have a secular business, regardless, to pray about it, to ask God to partner you with the right person or to bring the right person to your business, um, because it really can make or break your business. Absolutely. It really makes a huge difference. And, you know, sometimes I've seen that a lot in, in leadership and entrepreneurship, especially, is that Christians will kind of, um, uh, they'll uh, let go of these uh, principles because they see a certain person that they have that could be available to work with them that has this asset that they want, that yeah. they have this, um, you know, this quality, this, this strength that they don't have. Right. And so we're taught in entrepreneurship always, you know, um, work with somebody that doesn't have the same strength as you so that, you know, they can, they can bring your business far, uh, move farther, faster, because you can't bring it to that stage without their help. However, in Christian entrepreneurship, when it comes to Christian leadership, um, you know, yes, in the physical, that person has that strength, but God has these supernatural acceleration uh, blessings that he gives to the righteous, that mm. he gives to those that are really building Acceleration, their, yeah. their business, uh, you know, with his principles. Mm -hmm. So it's very important, you know, to follow these wise principles that Solomon uh, applied. And that's where they, they got these principles from, mm. uh, is from Solomon. And to, to really think about that, you know, how can I ask God to guide me in, the, in this venture? How can he bring the right person to for me to partner with or uh, the right a church leader that I'm looking for to, to work with? Or yeah. even if it's, you know, music or whatever it is, like always make him part of those decision makings and let him partner, let him match these people, bring them to you. And he will. He's yeah. very faithful in doing it because this will bring a lot of blessings and will avoid uh, a lot of hardship. A lot of Christians have learned the hard way yeah. that, you know, partnering when you, with the wrong people can hurt you. It a can great hurt deal. you a great deal, especially in business. Yeah. Yes, but uh, even worse in marriage, but uh, we won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so number seven, that's the, the last area where obedience is so important. Obedience in waiting. In waiting, we know that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They're going to fly like the eagle. Mm -hmm. We know that wonderful verse. But there's another example that I found in the New Testament. It's so, so crucial. Check this out. The disciples were told after Jesus rose and he went to heaven, Jesus had told them, he had specified to them. And that's found in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. It says, while he was with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. Now, let's just conjecture a little bit, Liz. What would have happened? So the, we know the disciples were obedient. They waited in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. They were in the upper room and right, boom, it happened. It fell upon them, tongues of fire, and, and the church was basically born that day with great power. But what if what if they would have decided, ah, it's too long. I don't know how long it took, a few, few days for sure. Uh, <laughs> so 
oh, it's too long. I'm, I just need to I go back to doing this or go back to doing that. And I'm just going to go back to Capernaum because some of the disciples, some of the apostles came from Capernaum. So I'm just going back to my father's house, Capernaum. What would have happened? What would they have missed out on? Hmm. The most important event in church history. 3,000 converts. The first sermon that Peter preached, 3,000 converts. Right away, the church, uh, uh, it, there was, uh, it, took, it, took, it took, it became alive. Mm -hmm. But because they were obedient in waiting, all this power was given to them. And they transformed the whole world. The whole world. So there's power in being obedient in waiting. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think a really good example of that is Patricia King. When I heard her her story, you know, where she had a, her and her husband had a very, um, they, they were entrepreneurs, they had thriving businesses, and they really felt that the Lord was calling them into ministry and was bringing them, um, you know, so they were excited about that and they left their positions and they thought that, you know, God was going to give them shower them with financial blessings like right on the spot and they were going they were going to have to go through a process where god was going to teach them about kingdom finances and how to acquire kingdom finances and so that whole period was very very difficult for her because the lord really told her to be obedient and and to wait on him to wait on him and, and to, to not, not make their needs known to anybody yeah, so they couldn't like but, ask but for Lord. money to to anybody or to their families or talk about their finance for their finances. They really had to. They really felt that the Lord was asking them to wait on Him and be obedient in this. And you know, it was difficult. And she she talks about her story. You know, she even uh, had to go and dig in dumpsters um, to feed her children, and it was a very uh, difficult time. And, but she did it regardless. And eventually, you know, the portals of heaven opened up and breakthrough came and she she had, you know, finances started coming in because she started discovering uh, kingdom principles and different things that she was applying based on God's promises. And God really did like this whole, you know, spiritual financial boot camp with her. Yeah. And, you know, if she hadn't been obedient, she wouldn't have gotten all that knowledge and all those principles and been able to share them with other people and she wouldn't have the ministry she has now. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think a very powerful example of, you know, of being obedient. Sometimes the Lord is telling you, you know, not right now, you know, you have to just settle down and just wait on me. Yeah. Like you can't. And it's hard because sometimes, you know, we're hard. like, I'm this kind of personality where I just want to move. I, I well, want to constantly be moving and doing stuff for him. And sometimes, you know, I've had those sit down moments where it's like, okay, now you're going to just like sit and do nothing. Yeah. Like, uh, like we experienced that right before we ended our podcast in the summer and things were rolling. Like since um, COVID, you know, our podcast had a lot more rolling and a lot more rolling and like a lot more listenership because everybody was like, I have nothing to do. So let me go find podcasts and whatnot. Yeah. And so, and uh, in August, I really felt the Lord was saying, Okay, now you need to slow down. And now it was about uh, the power of rest and and what I need to teach you because I was just like, you know, we were just like going on, like moving and learning and learning. Yeah. But now it was just about, okay, you know, stop, like just stop. 
and yeah. we had to be obedient. And, and we're and shifting just, us in a different direction where we were going to start broadcasting. Yeah, and and we were in a period where we just had to rest. Yeah, and um, just take in, you know, what the Holy Spirit was showing us and preparing us slowly. And we did that for a good month before we we restarted in the game of broadcasting and all that. And that was really beneficial for us spiritually. You know, we really needed that spiritually. Amen. Yeah, and it was a great. Uh, but yeah, yeah and, yeah, I, and the, I had to a start, renewed strength after. And to all start that anew. to say, it was a real blessing. But at the same time, I lot I lost. We lost a lot of listeners because of that. Because all of a sudden you fall off the map, then you know Apple Podcasts or whatever decides like, oh, they stop podcasting yeah. and then they kind of lower you in the ranks and whatnot. But you know, it's part of the process, you know, and and being obedient is is crucial. And then you know, God blesses you in in and reigniting everything and you just have to trust the process and and be obedient and trust him absolutely and you know our obedience is, is something that god really all throughout the scriptures we see just how important it is to him mm -hmm. to find obedient vessels and uh, daughters and sons who are going to be obedient and do his word and do what he asks but when we don't do it we we, we um we kind of take for granted just how much it can grieve the Holy Spirit. It, mm -hmm. Jesus gave us an inkling of that in Luke 6:46. He said this: Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Mm. Now that, that is a powerful lament from Jesus Christ. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? And uh, th there's a, a kind of a poem I found. Uh, online that kind of reflects that, but that makes you think, and I'm going to share with you guys. You call me master and obey me not. You call me light and see me not. You call me way and follow me not. You call me life and desire me not. You call me wise and acknowledge me not. You call me fair and love me not. You call me rich and ask me not. Mm. You call me eternal and seek me not. You call me gracious and trust me not. Mm. You call me noble and serve me not. You call me mighty and honor me not. You call me just and fear me not. Therefore, if I condemn you, blame me not. And, and I thought when I read this, I was, I was like, whoa, those are powerful words. Um, it's a fictional poem, but it, it's, it's based on the scriptures of what the, the characteristics of God. And when we take into account all those characteristics of God, we should be trembling and we should be uh, so disposed to obey is every word. Uh, as to it should bring us into a deeper obedience and yet we see the frailty of human character the frailty of of our failings uh, how 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 much we fail in through these uh, these words that were written there yeah and sometimes it's you know just too much in our comfort zones yeah. you know a lot of people have a hard time being obedient because they can't see the the blessings down the road and so it's, you know, if I can't see the, the immediate things that the Lord is going to give me, like right now, 
then I won't invest in that. I won't do that. Or I'm going to try it. And when it gets hard, I'm just going to give that up because, you know, it's, it's disturbing my comfort zone or it's just too much to, to ask me right now. And yet when we think about how much the Lord gave up for us, right. Wow. And how, how wow. we really owe him big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, thank goodness we don't owe him, but in the sense that, yeah, yeah we, we, our love should, uh, our reflect devotion that. to him should reflect that. We're that. Grateful, exactly. Yeah. That we're grateful. There's a, there's a story of uh, King Henry, a true story. King Henry of Bavaria. At one time, he became weary of court life. So he determined to enter a monastery. And when he presented himself to Prior Richard, so that was the, the, the monk in charge of the monastery, Prior Richard, the faithful monk gave him the strict rules of the order. The king listened eagerly and enthusiastically expressed pleasure at the prospect of such complete consecration because King Henry of Bavaria was a man of faith. Mm -hmm. Then the prior insisted with the king. He said this, he said, check it out. Obedience, obedience is implicit and uninquisitiveness. That means without question. You don't, when we tell you what to do, you don't question. Mm -hmm. So that was the first, he said, that was the first requisite of sainthood. Now, the king promised to follow his will in every detail. So then the monk looked at the king and he said, then go back to your throne and do your duty in the station that God assigned you. Hmm. Those were the words that the prior, the, the chief monk said to the king. And the king took up his scepter. And, uh, and until he died, he took up his scepter and went back to his, his throne, just like the, the monk had said. Mm -hmm. And until he died, people said of King Henry of Bavaria that he had learned to govern by learning to obey. Mm. And I thought that was a really inspiring uh, story coming from a, a king, no less. And, you know, we know in the Bible we're told about the rewards of obedience. We know that God is, 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 is faithful and just, and he rewards not only those who seek him, but those who obey him diligently. We, those see, who, it. we see it through the Bible all the time. It's all and throughout it's, the Bible. And, you know, it, it's not something that he, uh, most of the time he promised them. Sometimes he did, but a lot of times it's like he surprised them, you know. Absolutely. They were obedient and they were just like blessings. And, and, and in Deuteronomy chapter 28 is a fascinating chapter uh, because uh, it's, it's, it's split in two halves, right? The first half, God gives the rewards of obedience. Mm -hmm. And then the second half is a warning of disobedience. What's going to happen if you disobey? Yeah. So, but the rewards are amazing. When you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, it blows your mind just how much God was willing to bless Israel, to bless those who obey his word and who do his will. Mm -hmm. uh, so go read that uh, when you have a chance. Deuteronomy 28. I'm not going to read it tonight. Uh, another passage, Luke 16, verses 10 to 12. Jesus said, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, 
you won't be honest with great, greater responsibilities. Yeah. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? Mm -hmm. And if you're not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Yeah. And it's funny because we we see a lot of people say, you know, I want to be a world changer. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and they want to do so many great things and that's great. But at, at the same time, most of them, if you ask them to be obedient in something smaller that would be similar, but at a smaller scale, they have like, yeah, it's yeah. so difficult for them to even put one foot forward towards that. Exactly. So it's really important to show God, you know, if you want him to, um, use you to show that you're obedient in the small things. Like he's not going to ask you to be a world changer overnight. You know, he's no. going to ask you to do little things, get outside your comfort zone, start being obedient, you know, and there might be some sacrifice involved and, and, you know, maybe some of your finances implicated or different things. And um, sometimes we have to put our one foot forward. Right. And, and sow that seed for that um, harvest that we're looking forward to, you know, we all have bigger visions and plans, even for thriving on purpose, you know, yeah. things that we want to do here in Prince Edward Island, but we're faithful in, in the smaller things that God asks us to do. And we know that, you know, he's going to open those doors and, you know, we put one foot forward where we can sow, where we can give, where we can make a difference. And we just know that the more, the, it's just the way it is, the more you're obedient, the more you, you show God that you, you want to be used by him and you take action the more you have vision the more that he equips you and the more that he blesses you with the financial uh, harvest that goes with it yeah if there's one thing in the scripture that is very very clear is that god doesn't send abundance or blessing where there is poor management it's very important for god that mm -hmm. we show ourselves worthy stewards of what he has given us the talents abilities time money that he gives us if we manage those well, then he's going to send more blessings. Uh, for example, in Luke uh, 19, 17, uh, which is linked to the parable of the minus, uh, at the end, he says, well done to the one who, who came back with 10 minus. Mm -hmm. uh, he, uh, he was given uh, five, I think. He was given five, comes back with 10. Well done, the king exclaimed. You're a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. So mm -hmm. see, he was faithful with uh, managing uh, his master's money. He made more. And as a result, he was given so much more to manage after that. Yeah. So obedience is, um, is, is key to so many other blessings and so many other um, promotions that God wants to give you. Uh, I often tell my son, uh, you know, we know obedience is hard, right? Because uh, Everybody struggles with obedience, even at work with your bosses or, or when you're a child and you need to obey your parents. Everybody struggles with obedience. And I often tell my son, if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. If you do what is easy, your life will be hard. And, and I, I tell him, trust me on that. I know what I'm talking about. When I was younger, I did too many things that I, I copped out of too many things that I found too hard. And I paid a hefty price later on. And I don't want that for you. Uh, there is a a poem um, that, that, is, that was found uh, on Mother Teresa's wall in Calcutta in India uh, that people attributed to her. But so 
Others say, no, there's an earlier version that was found that's attributed to Kent Keith, Kent Keith, Dr. Kent Keith. But either way, in this week's broadcast, we're going to end with that. I have a video clip that shares that poem. And I think it has to do, it, it, it lines up well with our theme of obedience, our theme of doing what is hard for the Lord because it is so worth it. And uh, so, Liz, if you have anything you want to add at the end yeah. of this broadcast. So just be sure to go to thrivingonpurpose.com where you can sign up to our email list so yeah. that you're aware of our weekly broadcasts and anything that we come out with, any books, any resources that uh, that we give you for free as well. So just be sure to go there and uh, sign up to that. And uh, go also on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can get all those videos that we make uh, weekly uh, to, to get the new uh, notifications. So you click the subscribe and the notification button to get the, the notifications. So as always, we're going to leave you this week and uh, tell you to be blessed. And thrive on. And we're leaving you with this wonderful poem that was found on Mother Teresa's wall. And you're going to see it's powerful stuff. And uh, we'll see you next time.